Hello everyone and welcome to Every Day's a School Day, a brand new podcast series from St James's Place. Do you want to know how innovative technology is being used to enhance businesses? Or do you want to feel inspired on how you can apply it to yours? Well then, this exciting new podcast series will showcase how immersive tech is being applied within the modern workplace. We'll sit down with some of the biggest and the best minds in the industry to learn about the latest developments and how it's improving businesses globally. We'll cover everything from AI and VR to building bespoke learning platforms and more. We'll also share how we're using tech to enhance L&D, break new ground, change those industry attitudes and inspire other organisations to do the same. Welcome to this first episode of Every Day is a School Day. In this episode, we'll pick up where we left off with the Journey to the Metaverse podcast series and talk about all things virtual reality. I'm Hannah Frame, Social Learning Technology Lead at SJP, and I'm super excited to be hosting this series. In this episode, we'll be looking at some of the advancements made in the tech world since that series. From Meta's latest headset announcement, the Quest Pro, to its potential business applications and the exciting places the tech could be heading next. We'll also be discussing how AI is helping enhance communication. We will discuss a range of apps that can be used with soft skills training, such as public speaking and presenting. We'll also delve into the use of AI, which can be used to enhance immersive experiences and provide more detailed, richer feedback for improving interpersonal skills. We can't wait to show you what's already being applied within L&D. So let's get into it. School's in session. Today we're joined by two of my team members here at SJP. We've got Josh Ellick, who is Digital Engagement Analyst and does all of our VR, goes on conferences and showcases our whole business with our world-class training. And we've also got Carol Piper, who's Head of Skills and Development in our L&D team. Carol has got so much experience when it comes to presenting. She's presented on shows such as The Secret Tourist, GMTV, MTV and even The Natural Lottery. As you can expect, her experience is expansive, making her extremely skilled in all aspects of presenting and public speaking. So a very warm welcome to you both and thank you for joining us on the first podcast. What a welcome. Thanks, Hannah. Yeah, thank you. So Josh, you helped us with the Metaverse podcast in our last podcast series. For our listeners who have missed it, can you just summarise for us? Yes, of course. So with the Journey to the Metaverse podcast, we took listeners on a journey right from the roots of virtual reality, where that term came from, where it began, right through to how we're using it now and how it could be used in the future. So for the last episode, we actually took listeners into the Metaverse by hosting the whole podcast in virtual reality. It was great fun, wasn't it, Josh? And just kind of being able to showcase what we're doing at SJP in terms of our campus we've created in the metaverse, as well as kind of delve into the differences in VR, AI, jargon busting. It was really good. So if you haven't listened to it, I do encourage you listeners to, after this episode, go and have an explore on our Spotify platform. So now we've been to the metaverse and established how it can be applied in corporate and educational settings. I guess the next big question is, what's next for virtual reality? Just recently, Meta announced their latest line of headsets, the Quest Pro. So Josh, how do these differ from the headsets we use in the journey to the metaverse? It's a good question because I think there's lots of interesting stuff that's been happening now with the current technology, but there's ways in which these new headsets are taking it a step further. So the Quest 2 headsets that we used in the journey to the metaverse, they're pretty cutting edge for what's available on the market now. 
But the new Quest Pro headset that you mentioned introduces a few more interesting things. One thing I'm particularly interested in is the facial tracking that the Quest Pros are now able to do, which means that it can more accurately replicate your facial expressions. And it just adds a bit more of a nuance to those non-verbal communications that people do in real life. But then also things like color pass-through, which essentially what that is, is when you put on the headset, you can actually see what's happening in real life, which sounds like a really simple thing, but it's a big challenge with current headsets at the moment where when you put on the headset, you're completely isolated. You're in virtual reality, but you're completely distant from what's happening in the real world. So now we can have this way of interlaying digital elements of what's happening in virtual reality, but in real life and sort of bridging the gap between the two. That's so cool. Um, and even just that transformation from using the headsets we've got last time to the new announcement, all the kind of new features we can do, like the facial tracking, that's so exciting. I can see that being really beneficial to the L&D kind of training that we offer. Are there any other companies developing groundbreaking tech? Yeah, so another one that's quite prominent in the space at the moment is a company called Pico. So they've developed their own headsets and are actually bringing out a rival headset to match the features of the Quest Pro, naturally called the Pico 4 Pro, I believe, but again introduces the facial tracking and color pass-through elements that I just discussed. But I think they're trying to bring that to the enterprise market, but at a cheaper price point to the Quest Pro. It's one of those things where I think if people are currently using those Quest 2 headsets and they want to transition to the new Meta Quest Pro, then it's a natural transition. But if you're almost new to VR, it's going to make it a nice new entry point for businesses to get involved. That's great. Is that the Quest Pro, they come with quite a hefty tag along with it. So good to know that if you are starting out and, and you don't know where to start, Pico could be a nice entry point if you're not ready to kind of splash the cash. As you say. Yeah, competition's always good in the space, isn't it? Because it naturally forces or, you know, encourages companies to bring their costs down and find new ways to pass savings onto customers so that, you know, we get access to some of the latest technologies on the market but at a more competitive price. Cool. Well, I know that we use VR in SJP um, and other companies are in the L&D space for training. I think if we take a step back before we venture into how we do that, I mean, Carol, over to you. Kind of what would you say some of the challenges are with training at the moment in L&D? Do you know what? That's a really good question. And I think we should probably start by taking that step back and looking at the way the world is changing at the moment, especially since we've had COVID. And we're finding that people are now operating very much in that virtual world where people aren't in the office every day anymore, which I think is a great thing, but it does make training in some aspects more challenging. If we think about communication, being able to influence people, these are fundamental skills that we need in businesses, but generally in day-to-day -day life. And within L&D, we are always really passionate and purposeful in terms of how do we make sure that the training that we offer is as accessible and flexible as possible. You know, when we think about topics like communication, influencing, those sorts of things, the beauty really comes from having the opportunity to practice. And so during lockdown, we created lots of digital content. So videos, box sets that people can access, which is great. But that really only gives people the theory. So they can sit there and they can watch, you know, how to lift your sternum, how to use the right gestures and all that kind of stuff. But it's very much the theory. 
Now, we've also got the curriculum where we have trainers that lead the sessions and we've got sessions that cover some of the fundamental skills that we need our people to have, be it you know, influencing, be it communicating well, be it handling difficult conversations, all of those kind of things. And that's the place really where people can come to to share ideas, discuss things and practice, which is the critical thing here. But the problem with that is that we might run a challenging conversation session once a month. And so what happens if, you know, it's a Monday and you know that tomorrow you're going to go in as a manager to have a potentially quite challenging conversation? Well, guess what? The course isn't for another two weeks. What do you do? You know, you can go and watch the box set, you can get the theory, but where do you get the practice? And for me, that's the kind of missing element, or at least it was a missing element for us in terms of how we really develop people. And I suppose you could say that we've all got smartphones now, so you can record yourself you know, you can make a voice note or you can film yourself, but that then really requires you as the person to be able to give yourself the feedback. And I don't know about you guys, I cringe. Yeah. It's cringy, right? You <laughs> watch so yourself cringy. and you go, oh my God, do I sound like that? Do I look like that? So it's really hard then to be objective and to be able to watch yourself and go, you know what? I can see what I'm doing well, which I think is a key thing, but I can also see where I need to work on. And so for people to be able to coach themselves and give themselves feedback, I think is actually really quite challenging. So that's why for us within L&D, we've been looking at, you know, what else can we do? Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? When you're watching yourself back, it's just that cringeworthy, awkward moment no one wants to do. And equally, trainers don't have enough time to sit down with all kind of the trainees and have one-to-one sessions with them or give them the feedback because there's just not that possibility. So, um, no, and what I'd add to that actually, Hannah, as well, is because I think that's the thing, isn't it, is the time. But also what I find is we work generally with clever people that have got great ideas. But for some of those people as well, because presenting or communicating, influencing, all of those kind of things doesn't come naturally to them they're perhaps possibly more on the shyer side as well so even though they need to practice they're not necessarily going to come to a session where they're going to have to speak up in front of others and be coached publicly so there's some people out there that could do with it but they don't want to do it they feel uncomfortable so they just wing it now I don't know about you guys but I've sat there in meetings and I've seen people present really well I've also seen people present really badly Mm. and again it's you're sitting there going oh my gosh and uh, I suppose as a trainer Carrie you probably just want to reach out and yeah. and help them there and then but that's not always possible so no. how can VR and AI be used to bridge the gap between training and not having the kind of the time and commitment to be able to designate to everyone that you would like to yeah well I, I see there's a really incredible sort of middle ground that we've been discovering here at SJP where you know you've got the sort of theory bit with the videos and you've got the kind of coaching bit where you have the curriculum but actually using VR is an opportunity where people can have a much more immersive experience where they go into a scenario and it could be lots of different scenarios depending on again what it is that they need to work on so it might be a small role play where they get to try out some different techniques around handling tricky conversations or it might be you know what I've got a job interview internally I need to practice that or it might well be that they're going out to deliver a bigger presentation and what we found actually is VR gives us a vehicle to be able to put people into an immersive experience where they get to not only look out and see an audience looking at them, which is a really weird thing to do. And it does take a little bit of getting used to, but it's really powerful, actually. But also then the brilliant thing about VR is that they get to then put themselves in the audience. So 
they get to try it out. They then get to put themselves in the audience and see themselves delivering the content so they can see, you know, how are they coming across? What's their body language saying? Vocally, what's going on as well? And then because of AI technology, they also get feedback. So they get to find out, you know, is their pace the right pace? Are they speaking too quick, too slow? Are they projecting enough? Are they giving enough eye contact? So not only do they get the opportunity to practice in a really safe space, they also get coaching. So for me, this is a game changer. I think one of the challenges, and Carol will probably say the same thing about trying to support people in building upon their interpersonal skills, is how do you provide precise, actionable feedback to those people that's consistent? Because quite often you'll have different trainers that might focus on different things to do with how you deliver your communication skills. I'm trying to avoid soft skills too much. You know I don't <laughs> like the word soft skills, Josh. I, I, I do know you don't like the word soft skills. Interpersonal. Uh, let's go interpersonal. Let's go interpersonal. Thank you. So, yeah, it's really hard to provide that precise, actionable feedback for interpersonal skills in real life. But with AI, because it can pick up on so many different elements, not just how you deliver something vocally, but also your body language, your eye contact, it's really hard to get a whole package of how you're delivering and how you're communicating all in one go. And actually, not just that, but then being able to expand on those points and see where specifically you could be performing quite well, but where you could be falling short. And I've personally found that I really struggle with people eye contact when I've got something critical to say. I also don't really address people by name all that much either. And it's little things like that that can really sort of support someone who is learning those sort of skills to take those skills a step further. Did you get feedback on that then when you put yourself into one of these immersive experiences? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. We were using an app called Body Swaps, which just to, I guess, explain what that is, it's a immersive skills-based platform where you can jump into scenarios and encounter challenging situations as if they were in real life. And then you learn within those scenarios how to manage it effectively. That sounds so cool. I mean, the fact that you can put yourself in and get that feedback. I'd be intrigued to find out more about body swaps. So what skills and situations can be practiced in body swaps and VR generally? So body swaps, there's a lot of different content that you can explore on there. So one of them is, for example, the inclusion diversity element of training where it supports people in how to manage conversations around race or sexism in the workplace. But then there's also just how to interview better. So actually putting you in a scenario where you actually have to practice giving an interview, or it could be that you're just having to give a manager an update on a project that's behind schedule. And how do you do that in a way that's giving them the information, but in a precise and articulate way. So you're really showing that whilst it's behind, you're in control of the situation. That's cool. Carol, have you had a go and seen the benefits of this? Yeah, I have. Like I say, it takes a bit of getting used to, and I would definitely say that you need to be in a safe space. And when I say safe space, I mean somewhere where you can be, where you can just be yourself and speak out. Because the one that I did, and Josh introduced this to me, we were looking at 
at the presentation skills, public speaking modules, I think it was. And there's some really fantastic content there. You know, they've obviously done their research. They've got experts in this field that are sharing some really superb techniques. But one of the things I found myself actually the other day in the office, and I tried this out and I realised I was still in an office where people were around me. And um, I got to the bit where we were talking about vocal exercises or they call them vocalizers, which is brilliant. And one of the exercises was around diction and projection. So suddenly I found myself having to speak really loudly <laughs> and, and doing lots of weird and wonderful things with my voice. And I suddenly went, ah, I probably should have thought this through a bit better and found a quiet space to do this where people wouldn't be wondering who the strange person is in the corner. But yeah, no, I've tried a number of different modules. And, you know, I will say it's a really terrific piece of tech. And these immersive experiences can give us so much. I still think there's more that can be done. So having gone through some of the different modules around confidence, you know, how do you stay calm under pressure? You know, that was a really interesting one. But also having an opportunity to watch a speaker present and then be able to recognise, you know, what are they doing well? But also what are they doing perhaps not so well? And then, like I said earlier, getting the opportunity to try it out for yourself, put yourself in the driving seat and do a presentation to an audience, because guess what? That's the beauty of immersive tech, right? A whole group of people standing there or sitting there in front of you, looking at you. And I know that this isn't reality, but on some level you start to go, oh God, this is, <laughs> you start to feel a little Sweat bit. A little yeah, bit. <laughs> you do. You're like, oh, people are looking at me. And so you get an opportunity to present. And like I said earlier, you then become a person in the audience watching yourself. And even, you know, I was picking up things thinking, gosh, I could have done that better. So, you know, practice makes perfect. You get the opportunity to get the coaching feedback and to give it a go again. And you can go as many times as you need to until you feel really comfortable. And that's for me where the power comes with this, having an opportunity to practice in a completely safe space where no one's going to judge you, you can mess it up, you can try again, and you can keep trying again until you get yourself to a place where you feel really comfortable. So yeah, I've tried a few different ones. I've tried out role play where I've been sort of thrown into a difficult conversation and had to, you know, pitch for more time, pitch for more money. I realise I'm really not very good at either one of those. Mm -hmm. So that's an area that I need to work on. Structuring your message, you know, how do you put together a really inspiring presentation or even you know you're sharing a couple of minutes in a meeting how can you deliver that information in a really compelling way so there is some superb techniques around framing your conversation as well and I suppose as I'm listening to you guys talk it's something for all levels because arguably no matter what level of seniority you are in a business you've got to present you've got to have some of these conversations so this is applicable to all levels in a business absolutely so just to kind of add to that then, can you explain how SJP are utilising this technology and just where other businesses could apply this? Yeah, so the way we're utilising the technology at the moment, so we've developed these immersive role play scenarios within our academy programme at the moment where people who are coming to join us and want to learn to become a financial advisor, they can actually jump into role play scenarios and enact client meetings and they get some really great feedback. And I think most importantly, they actually get a sense of what it feels like to be in those sort of job roles and be in those situations, which is, is really great when they're then looking later down the line to actually physically meet clients. But 
that's a very specific example of, you know, and it's catering to this smaller group within the business of people who are training to become financial advisors, but that's not everyone in the business. So a lot of the work we're doing now is how do we provide really valuable content that scales out to the rest of the business? And it's where we now want to introduce some of the topics that we've just discussed here. So we're looking at how we can start to push out a more effective inclusion and diversity agenda within the business as well. Like actually being able to experience scenarios where you might see two colleagues in front of you and one of them is actually demonstrating sexist behaviors to the other. You know, we all know that's wrong. But then the great thing about VR is that we can actually then learn how to confront those behaviors when we see them and practice it because it goes back to what Carol was saying before there's a lot of theory that can be shared around these sort of topics but then the real power comes from how we help people to practice those difficult situations so that they're then prepared when it comes to experiencing those situations in real life. Amazing. And Carol, obviously head of skills, you've got a whole curriculum guide full of wonderful kind of workshops and training. Do you see how like VR could complement obviously what we've got in the curriculum guide, but also in other businesses when they come to training their soft skills? Can you explain how that VR can be used to enhance? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't think, and you might shoot me down and I apologise if this is speaking out of turn, but I don't think VR, it's not that it will never replace, but I think there is always a place for face-to-face coaching, depending on topic. I think there's always a place for that. But this just allows us to be much more dynamic and flexible and work with the individual rather than going, you know, this is our training, this is how we do it, and you have to fit in with what we do. Again, talking about the way that we want to develop people at SJP, we're all about flexibility, agility, and really making sure that it suits the person. So this is just a fantastic tool for us to be able to access. And I'm really excited about what the future holds for us at SJP. You know, it was interesting earlier, Josh, when you were talking about cost. How much out of interest are the Quest 2s at the moment? So you can pick up a Quest 2 headset for about £400 at the moment, $400. And what about the Pico? Uh, Pico, around the same price. They slightly undercut it by about 20, 30 pounds. I think they're around 375, you know, classic business technique, isn't it? Because <laughs> what's really interesting about that, if I think about our curriculum, and one of the things that we do is we offer coaching and we've got external coaches that work with some of our internal employees. You know, one session is about 550 quid. That's one session. So I know that you say that VR is expensive and yes, it is, but actually... Just think about what we could get from a VR headset versus one coaching session. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. You could do so much more about the VR aspect of being able to do it anytime, anywhere. Go in, go out, practice as much as you can versus that one hour of a coach. That's crazy. Yeah, I think the thing is, though, is just making sure, and Josh, we talked about this as well, just the accessibility of it. You know, we've got offices all around the UK and in Asia. And obviously, we're now working in this virtual world where people aren't in every day. I suppose my question to you guys really is, how are we going to make sure that people are set up for success? So how Mm. can we make sure that people actually start to utilise this? Because we know it's good. Yeah, well, it's a big part of it is that flexibility piece because, you know, naturally there's challenges when you're doing the coaching sessions face-to-face is that they'll have to be in a set place at a set time. Whereas with VR, I know you said that you were practising some of these scenarios in VR, but 
in the office. And that's a little embarrassing when you're having to do projection exercises. But the good thing about VR is that you can take it home. So then suddenly you are in a safe space where you're not going to be disturbed, where you could be completely engrossed in what you're doing and what you're learning. And so I think one of the challenges for us is we've got a certain amount of headsets in the business now, but how do we make sure that everyone, no matter where they're based in the business, you know, we do have offices in Asia and in the North, in Edinburgh, that we want to make sure have access to this technology. And so a lot of it is at the moment, me going around and demoing it with different areas of the business, but we want to down the line to have permanent fixtures of VR all across our business geographically so that no matter where you're based, you've got access to this content that we're delivering. You've touched on it already, but do you ever see as being a replacement for like the face-to-face training? No. 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 I think we're quite confident on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a place for both. Mm. I like what you're saying though about having some setup in lots of the different offices here in the UK and in Asia as well. What I would say is, and we talked about this, having a safe soundproof space that people can feel completely safe, you know, to be able to do some of the stuff that you need to do to get the best out of yourself. I think what might be worth mentioning is there's still challenges with VR that are different to the challenges that you'd experience with face-to-face. So for example, it could be that it's difficult to take notes in virtual reality. A lot of people, when they're actually in person with a coach, they're able to take notes as they're going through that session. But we haven't quite figured out how to replicate that in VR because, you know, naturally you're in a headset and you're just experiencing it. But then what are we doing to give people a guide or information that then they can take out of VR and refer back to when they go and practice those situations in real life? Cool. So I think, you know, the takeaway there is then it's very much used to complement each other when you're exploring your L&D kind of strategy in your business. But just before we end then, so what impact could AI-powered software such as BodySwaps, which we've spoken about today, have on the future of employee training and personal development? So I think one part of my job is looking at the engagement piece as well. So it's all well and good that we're delivering this stuff to the business, but how do we track how much value it's really bringing to people as well? So one of the good things about VR experiences is that you can actually have evaluative feedback, which is pre and post evaluative. So it could be that you're asking questions on how confident someone feels about a certain topic before they actually then go ahead and go through that scenario. And then they get asked the same question at the end. So then straight away, you can really start to measure the value and the impact that that content's having. But also because it's a digital piece of content at the end of the day, we get information as well, like really supportive of what we're trying to do in businesses in terms of like really understanding how people are interacting with content, how often, and is it something that they are struggling with certain areas and that we need to identify where those areas are so we can improve it moving forward. So I think just the general digital nature of the content really helps us with understanding the impact and how we can improve it moving forward. I mean, the measurement piece is key, isn't it? It really is. For us as well, just being able to consult around the business and understand what are the needs, what are the big challenges, what are the topics that perhaps they need support with. And then using companies like BodySwap, you know, they've got some fantastic off-the-shelf content. So cost-wise, you know, it's not that we're having to make brand new content, actually, some of the key topics are already out there. For us, it's about identifying which are the key ones for us that are going to have the biggest impact.
there's also the ability to support individuals with self-improvement as well. So, for example, the ability in VR where you can enact a scenario, it picks up your vocals and also your body language so you can really see how you come across and hear how you come across. That's really great. And, you know, it does help people identify where they're falling short. But then the element of where AI comes in to give them precise feedback as well, because like Carol was saying before, people can be quite subjective about how they perceive themselves. So I personally really hate my own voice and I would just rather not talk at all. You've got a lovely voice, you know, Josh. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the great thing about AI is that then it can give you very precise, actionable feedback and tell you where you're falling short and where you're doing well. And then suddenly those two things combined takes the more subjective, maybe self-feedback that you might get from being able to see yourself in those scenarios with the more objective. And I think, you know, there's a good reason to kind of experience both. That's really insightful. Thank you both. And I look forward to kind of watching this journey of SJP and what we can be doing. And I'm sure we'll kind of get you back on a future episode to talk about the progress here and what's been going on and the transformation you can see within the business. So thank you so much. And just before we kind of then wrap up, a segment that we want to introduce to these series going forward, and, and you guys will be the first to kind of champion this, is we want to know, what have you learned recently that's kind of just blown your mind? Oh, Mm, oh josh you can go first no i I was gonna say you can go first i can have a little think blown my mind it's not a recent thing actually but it blew my mind and i think it has stayed with me for many many years and i think it's about the fact that the human brain can process i think it's like 11 million bits of information every second or something like that but the conscious mind can only handle about 50 bits per second so all of us every second we delete, we distort, we generalise information that's coming in so that it's relevant for us. And I think what's really exciting about that is just understanding that we've all got our own model of the world. So the way Josh is experiencing this situation right now is going to be completely different, Hannah, to the way that you are, likewise to the way that I am. And I just think just understanding how different people come at everything and understand it, that for me, years ago, I remember hearing it and going, oh, I'm not the same as everybody else. And the way that I'm experiencing this situation, no one else is experiencing it the same way that I am. That might sound really obvious, but it blew my mind. Not at all. It's crazy, our minds. I mean, I did psychology for my degree and the brain is a fascinating thing. And something on the tube at the moment I saw was, are lemons fast or slow? Are they? Are they they fast or slow? What do you think? Are they? I'd say say fast. fast. I'm going to say fast. Quite a lot of the population that would say slow, but it's why do we think it's fast? I mean, for me, I picture them rolling down a hill and I think they're going quite quickly. Okay, here's another one then. Is broccoli fast or slow? Okay, we're going off topic. Yeah, sorry. Off topic. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, we're going off topic. But, uh, Josh, over to you. What, what have you learned recently that blew your mind? So I was actually just yesterday driving from Manchester to Bristol, which was already a long, gruelling drive, as you can imagine. But I was listening to Radio 5, which was really helping out. There was a guest on there called Matthew Syed. And oh, yeah. he was talking about this new book that he's just published. And it's, what do you think? how to agree to disagree and still be friends is what it's called. And he was talking a bit about some of the elements of why he wrote this book. But one of the things he said is that he noticed that there's this culture that's developing at the moment where you'll generally only associate yourself with people who you agree with. And we see it a lot on social media. You might follow things that you're 
interested in that you agree with, but you will generally distance yourself from the things that you disagree with. So what I really liked was that he was talking specifically about how in arguments, it doesn't have to be that you have a winner or a loser. I mean, everyone loves to win an argument, but the idea is that you can both learn something from an argument. So irrespective of what that topic is, if we communicate and argue, and I think you mentioned, Carol, at some point before about, you mentioned oh, something from Apple, didn't oh, you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Apple have got, their phrase is wonderful arguments, which I just, I think is brilliant. So you go into an argument thinking, you know, this is going to be a good debate. So it's not that there's a winner and a loser. It's everyone wins because it's we're cognitively diverse. So, of course, we're going to have different points of view. So, yeah, wonderful arguments. I like mm. that. One of the interesting things he also said in this interview was how he encourages people to try and argue each other's points as well. So you could wildly disagree about a certain topic. But then if you take yourself out of that headspace and put yourself in someone else's shoes and try and argue their case for them, suddenly that then helps you so much more in understanding where they're coming from and understanding their point of view. Oh, wow, Josh, you have really just blown my mind. And what's the name of that book again? It was called What Do You Think? How to Agree to Disagree and Still Be Friends. Oh, well, I'm just going to go and add that to my Amazon wish list then in time for Christmas. So oh, perfect yeah. timing. So that just proves that every day really is a school day then, listeners. So Josh, Carol, thank you once again for joining us on this first episode of this new series. And thank you for your knowledge and expertise. It's been really fun to have you. Yeah, I've loved it. Thanks, Hannah. Yeah, it's been good. Thank you. And a wider thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about body swaps or how we're using it at SJP or any other digital technology projects we've got going on, then get in touch with us at learning at sjp.co.uk. Or even if you're an organisation that wants to have a conversation, tell us about how you're using immersive technology in your business, then do get in contact. In the next episode, we're going to be doing a review of technology in 2022 and looking forward to what's to come next year. Until the next episode, school's out.